Western, cowboy, hoedown, country. If you've got some Western apparel on today and you got the memo, would you just stand? I want to take a look at if you got something Western on, stand to your feet. I'd like to see the cowboys and cowgirls in the house today. Yes, look at all these Western folks. Amen. Uh, yeah, baby. Awesome. Have a seat, if you would, please. Why did I pick this theme for our 10-year anniversary? Well, over the past few weeks, there has been a, a little bit of a stuff being communicated out there that the reason that I chose the Western theme is because I've always wanted a mechanical bull somehow involved in one of our church gatherings, and this was the reason, this was a good opportunity. That is not totally true. Um, it is, however, really cool that we have a mechanical bull in the auditorium today with us, which I think is great. Um, <laughs> when... When you see me dressed as a cowboy um, with the hat and, and the boots and the jeans and the shirt and the buckle, which when I sit down is painful. Um, when, when, I'm going to tell you what, Manteca uh, now has a brand new boot barn that opens up. You all see that? Yes. I'm pretty sure but the, between my family and Everett, where's Everett at back there? We funded that just by going to Boot Barn in the last month here, right? Don't you think? And they were able to expand. They're like, all of a sudden, we come into all this money. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. Well, we want to look the part of the Western theme. But to be a true cowboy, it's so much more than just putting on some apparel. It's so much more than just putting on some clothes. It's so much more than just calling yourself a cowboy. It's in your DNA. By the way, I went to hit the pause button for a second. A few minutes ago, my son-in-law and our online pastor, part of our executive team, Pastor Brian Nielsen got up here and said something about, uh, give me a Texas yeehaw. I'm a little confused, Brian. You're from Montana. Why didn't you say, give me a Montana yeehaw? Why did you give it to Texas? Seems to me that a Montana boy, I'm just going to go there and I'll stop for just a second. If you're a cowboy, it's in your DNA. It's it is you. It's the essence of you. I can look like a cowboy. I can dress like a cowboy. I can walk like a cowboy. I can talk like a cowboy, but that doesn't make me a cowboy. It's all about the heart. It's all about what's on the inside. And it's the same thing for followers of Jesus Christ. When you became a Christian, you abandoned your old way of life and you embraced a new life with God, a new life with Jesus Christ. And when the inside changed, which is why we focus on the inside, not the outside, when the inside changed, the outside started to come in alignment. And for the most of us, the outside is still coming in alignment with what God did on the inside through the grace of Jesus Christ. You see, when you confess Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, when you turned away from your sins, you had a heart change. Can you remember? Can you tap into that memory of when your heart change took place? when you became an authentic follower of Jesus Christ? When you did, you began to walk like it. You began to talk like it, but not because you were wearing some sort of a garment, but because it was the essence of who you are. No matter who you were with, you began to act a little differently. A litmus test of being a follower of Jesus are the friends that you have. 
and they begin to ask you and question you. Man, something's different about you. Now, we tend to parade it and make that sound like a good thing, but a lot of times, the people that you're with, when you get saved, born again, when you've given your heart completely over to God, they'll begin to criticize you, come against you, speak all kinds of negative things about you. The essence of who you are is Jesus. That's why it says in Romans chapter one, verse number 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. How many of you can say, I may not be a real cowboy, but I am a real follower of Jesus Christ inside the very core of my being? Now, I do have to confess something to you. I'm kind of an expert at cowboy culture, and you might wonder why that is. It's because I've watched all three seasons of Kevin Costner's Yellowstone. You know what I'm talking about? So I know about cowboy culture. And today, there are three, there are three things that I want to use the cowboy culture in the last 15 minutes that I have with you, that I want to use from the cowboy culture to speak today regarding our church and its future. The first thing I would say is, is partnership. Girls, would you come up here and help me with the thing that you were going to think of the thing, the thing we're going to do with the thing? Yeah, we're going to do the thing right now. Is, is partnership. So if y'all want to do this too or be a part of something, you're welcome to do this. But let's just, let's just have some fun in the church today. Yes? all four of my daughters, and uh, I'm so proud of them. You, you saw the rest in, uh, earlier, and then Kyra, uh, so proud of you as well, uh, super mom, and, and uh, was an integral part of the church at, at its planting. She originally did our children's ministries, and she did so many parts of serving the church as well, and so very proud. Listen, line dancing is a country thing that's done. When we started the church uh, 10 years ago, you might remember it was the worst economic recession in most of our lifetimes. 55% of the homes in the city of Lathrop were in foreclosure at that time, at the launching of the church. That means a little over every other house was in foreclosure. People were losing their homes, they were losing their jobs, they were losing their security, and from everything we could see, people were losing their hope. Perhaps it was the worst time from a, 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 a mind standpoint uh, to start the church. Because in order to start something, you have to have people to help you do it. And, and yet, we knew that God had called us for such a time as this. But we needed partners. 
And so for the previous 20 years, I had served as a pastor and I decided to go contact all the people that I knew. And of all of the churches and people, everybody was respectful, but everybody was in the process of laying off staff, uh, dealing with downturns in the economy. And out of all the contacts, there were only two churches that said that they would support us on the journey. One church at $50 a month for 12 months. So it was a $600 investment from a church in Bolivar, Missouri, where I, I was the first church that I served as a pastor at. And then another church in Quincy, California, uh, uh, decided that they would, they would support us as well, Christian Life Fellowship. The pastors of that church in Quincy, California, as God would have it, were uh, John and Kim Allen. It's kind of cool how things go full circle. I also knew because I started a martial arts organization in 1996 called Christian Black Belt Academies. Um, I also knew that I could probably talk to people in the network of our martial arts schools and see if any of the Christians would help us. We got some responses from about a dozen kids, and I don't mean like, like teens, I mean kids, that said that they would support, their moms and dads helped them send us between one and two dollars every month for the course of a year. That to me was inspirational and the widow's might that poured into these kids now, many of them are graduated from high school, some of them are at college or in their early 20s, one of them is married. These were kids that a decade ago decided that they would, they got inspired, mom and dad let them do some chores, they would mail us faithfully in cash, a dollar or two dollars every single month to start this church. We found creative ways to resource the church, the ministry, but ultimately you caught the vision. Don't mistake this to be a financial talk. Ultimately you caught the vision. In the midst of all the turmoil, all the despair, all the hopelessness, I read one stat in 2012 that said for every one full-time job with benefits in San Joaquin County, every one full-time job with benefits in San Joaquin County that people were aggressively looking for, 16,000 people wanted that job. Now you may or may not believe that stat, there's the Manteca Bulletin, I don't know, but you may or may not believe that stat, cut in half. Cut in half again. So 4,000 people were competing for one full-time job. There were no jobs to be found. People were struggling and people were hurting. You remember, I double dog dare you and challenge you to never forget the despair that you felt, the frustration, the discouragement, the anxiety that was there, not because you should live in it, but because God helped you to overcome it. God saw you through that difficult time in your journey. What am I saying? I'm saying we had to work together, kind of like the line dancing. You couldn't hear what my girls were saying, but they were like, step two, cross three, whatever. I don't know what they were saying, but they were talking together, working together, communicating together. Followers of Jesus have to work together. I would like you to hear me loud and clear. New Life Church is one church in multiple locations. There is not... And as long as I serve as your leader at the helm, there will never be a spirit of competition or entitlement in this church, no matter what, yes, come on now. 
no matter what location, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what gender, no matter how big or how small the church is, no matter if it has indoor facilities or it doesn't have facilities at all, no matter the size, we at New Life Church are all equal in importance and value to the New Life Network and to the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter one, beginning at verse number three, thank my, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will be faithful to complete it. What he's begun in you, he will finish in you. But it will take partnership. You heard on the video a little while ago that in the 10 years uh, that God has taken us on this journey, New Life now consists of what we classify as four campus churches. Those are Lathrop, River Islands, Modesto, and online. Two groups-based churches. That's our Spanish church and our South Stockton Community Center church. One house church in, in uh, Casper, Wyoming. But the best is yet to come. It's not about just boastful stuff. It's all about what do you want to do next, God? How can we resource and effectively reach out? You see, this church is not an inward-focused church. The day we get our eyes focused inward is the day we begin to die. We keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author, the finisher, the foundation of our faith, and we reach out to people. We go to the highways and the byways, and we compel people to come in to relationship with God. That's why, as Brian said earlier, we say all the time, one of our strategies at New Life is we will do anything short of sin to reach people who do not know Jesus Christ and to reach people that no one has reached. We're going to have to do things that nobody else has done. And that's partnership. Thank you. Thank you for partnering with us as we strive to help you live a better life, live an overcoming life, but live an infectious life that will be beneficial for the kingdom of God for generations to come. Number two, partnership is number one. Number two is pace. Number two is pace. You about hurt yourself, man. <laughs> right, okay. So these are our pony rides. We're really glad. I'm, uh, uh, two, of our, <laughs> two, two of our craziest team members, Pastor Carlos and, and Michael, our youth, youth director, I'm so very proud of you. We, uh, we plan on having pony rides, but the weather didn't work out. Uh, work out. But thank you guys for, for what a great, thank you. We'll all remember that for years to come. You can take, the, you can take those. God bless you guys. How many of you have ever ridden a horse before? I mean, like really ridden a horse before. Anybody ever ridden a horse before? Some people are like, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, now, here's the deal. I, I understand about riding. Uh, when you ride a horse, usually you're riding in a controlled environment. The horse is tame. The horse is going at a rather slow pace. And when you're up on that horse, you're okay with that. 
because it's maybe it's tied to a merry-go-round. It's just going around. I don't know, but but you got it. I was in. I was. We were pastoring in Neosho, Missouri, in the southwestern part, south of Joplin, in Missouri, uh, for a few years. And I have a really, really good friend there, and he has a, an acreage, and he had a horse, and he said, "Hey, you want to come out? And you want to ride the horse? I'd love to ride the horse. Never ridden a horse before in my life." So he saddles it up, and I get on the horse, and I'm trotting around, and he's right there in the field, sitting on the fence post, look just like a cowboy movie. He's looking at me, and I'm riding around and enjoying this, and he's telling me, "You know, you just gotta do that sound, and the horse will know to go." And it was true. And then he left. He's like, "I'll be back in about an hour. Have a great time." Wait, what? Because I. I didn't, I'd never had this experience before and I started feeling nervous. How many of y'all know that when you start feeling nervous, the horse starts feeling the nervousness that you start feeling. And when the horse, horse starts feeling the nervousness that you start feeling, the horse starts going faster. And all of a sudden the pace was, it went from a walk to kind of a, a fast strut, right? And then I'm getting a little bit nervous. They'd say, hey, settle down, settle down, thinking that's what you say. Apparently that's not what you say to this horse because that must mean go faster because the horse starts going faster. What felt to me like a full-on sprint was probably like a trot, but still it felt like I was going like to fall off. So what did I do? I thought, well, I got to pull back on the thing. If I pull back on the thing, the, the horse is going to stop because the bits are going to pull back. You pull back on the thing and the horse started riling up on me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Nobody's going to know. I'm going to be out here in the middle of this field. Nobody will find me for days. The horse is going to be just fine. Probably trample. Probably turn around, get ticked off and start, you know, stomping on me. So I get more nervous. And when I get more nervous, that's when the horse really takes off. And so thank God we were in about an acre. It wasn't a really big field. So the horse is kind of going around and around. And I'm thinking, I got to hold on. And so in order to hold on, I'm pushing my legs in to hold on even tighter. Apparently that was uncomfortable to the horse because now the horse is doing one of these things as it's running around a little bit. I was scared to death. Finally, Gary comes back out, sees me from his porch. I mean, it seemed like it was a mile and a half away. It was probably only a few yards, but it felt like he was forever away. And I hear him make this funky sound. I don't know what sound it was, but whatever it was, the horse stopped. He, he knew his horse. The pace for me seemed to be more than I could handle. And I think that's how some of you, and I know for certain, that's how some people that have joined us on the mission, on the journey at New Life Church have felt from time to time. The pace feels like more than I can handle. Over the past 10 years, not only has the church grown in its, in its locations, but it's, it's had a multiple numbers. The church has owned, I don't know if you know this, four different businesses um, as revenue streams as a part of the church. And it takes staff and it takes marketing and it takes the teams and so forth to run those things. We have launched a lot of things. Terry's sitting in the front row here. We helped, we were part of a, of a team of churches that helped to launch a, an orphanage down in Mexico. We've sent teams down to Ensenada. We've hosted numerous community events. We've expanded multiple times. And some of you remember at the Lathrop campus, we decreased in square footage as well when we lost the, the lease to the fourth building that we had and we just had to figure it out. We, we've expanded our staff from three, as you saw, to the 15 people. Started several of the churches and we changed our leadership structure, which has been uncomfortable for some people. Listen, one of the things that I know that gets me through change that I'm not comfortable with is this phrase. We give up things we love for things we love even more. We give up things we love for things we love even more. 
some of you were really used to, and it was a pattern that um, at the one campus, whichever campus it was, that I would maybe be there from the beginning to the end, from the opening prayer to the closing prayer to the high fives and shaking hands on the way out. And that's not the leadership structure anymore. Now um, I'm jetting around for, to each campus on Sunday morning, teaching the messages, trying to make sure that I'm in River Islands first, Lathrop second, Modesto third, all in the same morning. And in order for that to happen, it takes a leadership structure shift and change. And we didn't ask. We made the adjustment because we give up things we love for things we love even more. One of the things that I love about this church, that I love about this church, is I don't sense any sacred cows. I don't sense any, um, we're married to this method. We're married to this particular style or way of doing church. We're going to do church in the most effective way we can. As culture shifts, the church has to shift with the culture. The message will never change, but the methods have to always be changing because we're gonna reach people with the good news of the gospel. Here's what I know, Philippians chapter three, continuing verse 13 through 15. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. What is my point? Sometimes you walk, sometimes you trot, sometimes you gallop, sometimes you sprint. The pace may change, but the direction is always the same. The direction is always moving forward. We're always moving on toward our destination. May the same thing be said of New Life Church in the days and the weeks and the years ahead. It takes partnership, it takes pace, and it takes perseverance. Pastor Brian, where you at, man? Do it, baby. Jump on the bull. I asked, I asked Brian if he would do this for us. All right. Now, I need, I need to step over here because I know we got the professionals, but I'd just like you to help me understand what the controls here, bro, because I would like to be a part of this. Um, so which is faster? This, this is for the bucks. Okay, so we got some things going. Brian, uh, you're from Montana. Yeah, okay. So I just want you to watch this. This is exciting. Um, let's do this. All right, here we go. Let's see if we can get him. Get a hold on. You got to hold on for eight seconds. Oh, come on now. We got to give him a little bit more bucking than that. You got to give him a little bit more bucking than that. Whoa, we got to go. We're turning. We're turning. Oh, yeah, baby. Some of you think that that was done against Brian. It really wasn't. Brian told me, he said, you know, I was really disappointed when he went down memory lane. He's like, I went to a friend's bachelor party and we went to a place and they had a mechanical bull like this. And he said, all the guys in the bachelor party got to ride the bull. But when it came to be my turn, they said, hey, let's go to the next place we're supposed to go to. And he didn't get a ride. Oh, don't you feel bad for him? I mean, that's a sad story. And now Brian got his lifetime dream fulfilled. He got to ride the bull today. I'm really, really proud of you. The goal when you get on the bull, from what I understand, is to stay on for a period of eight seconds. The st eight seconds doesn't sound uh, very long to me. It sounds pretty short to me until you're on the bull. And when you're on the bull, boy, it can seem a whole lot longer. It's just like, you know, three minutes doesn't seem that long to me. 
when I'm talking about certain things in my life, but when I'm underwater, that's a long time. When you're on the bull for eight seconds, it can be difficult. Jesus said this, he said the truth in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, Jesus was very clear. Could he not have been, he couldn't have been any more clear than that. You're gonna have all kinds of trouble. In other words, things are gonna get rough for you in this world. Now, if you came here looking for a hope-inspired message that everything's gonna be just fine, I'm telling you what Jesus said. Difficulties are gonna come. Life is gonna unravel at times. You may feel overwhelmed from time to time. You might even be tempted to throw in the towel. Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. And I would understand if you wanted to throw in the towel. I would understand if you wanted to quit. I would understand if you wanted to resign. I would understand if you wanted to walk away from God if Jesus left the statement at that. In this world, you will have trouble, but he doesn't. He goes on to say, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what do you do? That's a question we've been asking for years. What do you do? You know things are gonna get rough. He told you the truth. You might be riding the high in your marriage right now, but you're gonna go through some difficult times. It is not to condemn you or to make you full of fear. It's to bring a sense of reality that we live in a broken, depraved culture. We live in a society that is filled with sin. What do you do in the interim? You train, you prepare. Nobody gets on a bull, on a real bull that hasn't trained, that hasn't prepared. You gotta unite, you gotta rally. What do we do? We have to lift up one another. There's a, there's a term, a Christianese term that's called edify. Part of our responsibility as the body of Jesus Christ is to edify one another. And that simply means to build one another up. We don't tear one another down. We don't have jealousies and insecurities. Man, we lift one another up. We pull greatness out of each other. The person to your left, the person to your right, the person in front of you and behind you, they are not your enemy. You have an enemy who came to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. We must, we must lift each other up. But the biggest thing I want to say is you never, ever give up. You never, ever, ever give up. You hold on. I mean, you grip as tight as you possibly can. You persevere. I have in my notes a phrase that says, insert names. And as I look around this room, the relationship that I have with so many of you, you don't give up. You don't throw in the towel. You never stop. You don't quit. You keep on keeping on. You never back down. You don't back up. You don't leave your relationship with God. You look to him, the author, the finisher, the developer, the perseverer, the keeper of your faith. 
He's the one that will keep you strong in the days that are to come. No matter what sickness, no matter what disease, no matter what challenge, no matter what problem, no matter who comes against you, no matter how many times you feel beat down, no matter what it is you're going through, God is with you. And if he be with you, who can come against you? The loss that some of you have experienced is deep. It's profound. But what's contagious to me is that we don't have to be fake. We're not, we're not, I don't want to be a part of a church that is a Sunday-faced church and is two-faced out in the world. If you're hurting, tell us. If you're mad, confess it. If you're frustrated or discouraged, you're feeling drained, overwhelmed, hopelessness is beginning to creep inside of you, you are not alone. You are not alone. You have a family that sees you, that hears you, that understands what you're going through. We wanna walk this walk with you. The people next to you, they love you. I'm looking out and I'm saying, you know, we have a, I, I just won't embarrass anybody because it's not my story to tell. We got a host of overcoming addicts in this room. That over the last decade in your life have said yes to God and because of God's help, he's, he's helped to deliver you from the, the spiral that you were in, the cesspool, the miry muck that you were involved in. Some of you have gone through incredible life changes. Some of you probably should be dead. But God, I mean, even this COVID season, I'm looking out and seeing some people that were death on the bed. But God, but God, but God, he came through. He saw you through. The prayers, the Bible says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. And we as a church family will continue to agree together and pray together. Take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. There you have it. Three lessons from the cowboy culture that give us lessons for the next 10 years. Partnership. It's going to take partnership, guys. We're not done. The best is yet to come. It's gonna take pace. We're gonna to have to pace ourselves and sometimes you're gonna be like, holy cow, I can't seem to keep up with the pace. And other times you're gonna be like, can we go a little bit faster? I'm gonna ask you to trust, trust us as we try to help lead you and, and direct you and, and together we continue to move forward with this pace. We're gonna persevere. And the perseverance is holding on to the bull. Some of you are in just gentle, bullness right now some of you are starting to buck a little bit and others of you you're in the full-on turn and torque and everything just know that God is with you your church family loves you we will support you and we pray for you Heavenly Father thank you for this time today thank you for this celebration thank you God that you are a God that sees us, that knows us, that loves us anyway. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be pretend. We can be real. This ministry can be relevant to a culture that needs connection. And we should be relational, God, loving one another, supporting one another, 
encouraging one another, no matter what we're going through. So I bless this church. I ask the Lord that you would rebuke the devourer, strengthen the families that are represented here, those that are watching online and those that will watch later. In Jesus' name, amen.